Thank you so much, sister. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. How many of you love the Word of God? Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. I am going to be sharing tonight what I believe to be a prophetic word from the Lord. I am not a prophet. I'm an evangelist, but I do have a prophetic word from the Lord tonight. And I want you to receive, open your spiritual ears to hear what the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart tonight through the preaching of the Word. Tomorrow night, Pastor, we're going to have a breakthrough service. If you know anybody, anybody within driving distance, get them here for that service tomorrow night. If you know anybody that needs breakthrough spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, their marriage, their home, whatever it is, Get them in the house of God for that breakthrough service tomorrow night. I'm believing God is going to do a mighty, mighty work in the lives of everybody here. If you know anybody that needs to be saved or filled with the Holy Spirit, bring them to the service tomorrow night. And I know that God is not going to let us down in that service. Matthew chapter 13. Stand with me tonight in reverence to God for the reading of our text. Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 through 30. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Listen to me. If God doesn't have a problem with the tares growing among us, how many of you know that we ought to let God do what he wants to do? God can handle the tares. 30. Let both grow together until the harvest and the time of harvest. I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The title of my message tonight, Build Your House. Remain standing and bow with me for a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do your work. Accomplish what you want done. Bring us to a higher level in you than we've ever been before, Lord God. Speak to us victoriously tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There are two things that God is dealing with in this passage of Scripture. One is judgment time and one is harvest time. And you'll notice that according to the last verse of Scripture that I just read, both are going to happen at the same time. Now, there's a couple of questions that, that we're faced with. Uh, and, and I know that uh, 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 it, these are questions that I've had. And one is, God, when are you going to send the last day harvest? How many of you know that our hearts are overwhelmed with the desire to see this church body filled to capacity and overflowing with people running the aisles to get their heart right with God? And and, and I'm thankful for the millions of people that the Holy Spirit have, have allowed me to see get saved just through the ministry that God has called us into across America and around the world. But we have a desire and we ask God, God, 
when are you going to send the last day of harvest? And I've got news for you. The last day of harvest has not yet begun. When it happens, you're going to know when it takes place. So we ask the question, God, when are you going to send the last day of harvest? Another question that we have, and this bothered me for years, Pastor, and that is the question, God, why would you use unclean preachers who refuse to live right to build the kingdom of God? Now, how many of you know that through the years we've had preachers, a handful of preachers that refuse to live right, that, that God has used them in a mighty way? And so the question is, God, why would you use these preachers to build the kingdom of God? And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and reminded me of the two men that, that God told to build a house. So they went out that Bethlehem's house, the wise man and the foolish man. And first of all, I want you to look at the foolish man. The foolish man, he goes out and he builds this beautiful home in record time on a faulty foundation. And for those of you uh, 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 that are builders, you know that the most important part in building a home is to be sure that the foundation is built right, Correct. In fact, I was traveling through South Louisiana, and I came upon one of the most beautiful homes in all of my life. And and as I approached it, I noticed this home was absolutely stunningly beautiful. But there was a sign in the front yard of this house, and here's what it said. House condemned, faulty foundation. You see, it didn't matter how beautiful that home was. It was empty and condemned and going to have to be torn down because the foundation wasn't right. Here's what happens. If the foundation isn't right, the whole house isn't going to be right. So here's this foolish man. He goes out and he builds this beautiful home in record time on a faulty foundation. Gets his electricity on. The lights are working. The water's running. He's got all of the modern conveniences that you would want for comfort. And you'll notice that when he finished his house, the storm did not come immediately. The sun's still shining. So here's this foolish man. He's probably out in his hammock in the front yard, uh, sipping on his Louisiana tea, enjoying this beautiful home that he's just built. And he looks across the street, and he sees what the Bible calls the wise man working on his house. But the wise man doesn't even have his walls up yet. You know why? He's still working on his foundation. So this wise man, he goes out week after week after week in the different elements of the weather, the hot blistering sun beating down on his back, the rain pouring down on him, the, the sleet, the snow. And, and, and there had to be days that that wise man would think to himself, is what I'm doing really necessary? I mean, here's this man across the street. He's built this beautiful home in record time, and it just looks as though everything he puts his hands to seems to prosper. Any of you know people like that? Listen to me. Any house can look good. Any house can stand as long as no storm has come and the sun's still shining. You know how it is that America right now can be approaching $20 trillion in debt, and yet we still look like a, a, a prosperous nation on the outside? Because up until 911, no storm had come to America all the way back to the Depression. You know how it is that right now America can be number one in violent crimes, illiteracy, teenage pregnancy, illegal drugs, and the divorce rate, and still look like a prosperous nation? Here's why. Because no storm has come to America. 
You know how it is that I can show you a church right now in Houston, Texas, and I'm not talking about Joel Osteen's church, so don't think that I am. I can show you a church right now running, none of you would know the name of this church or the preacher, that's running 10,000 people that the worship leader in that church is living a homosexual lifestyle and yet that church still looks like it's prospering. You know why? Because no storm has come to that church. Now listen to me. In the story about the foolish man and the wise man, the wise man looked foolish. And the foolish man looked wise. The wise man is the one that put forth the extra money, the extra time, the extra effort, and yet it looked as though everything the wise man was doing was unnecessary. You know, we're living in a day today in the church, in the American church, where you can live any way you want to and still be considered a good Christian. You can breeze into church on Sunday morning and play a little church game and breeze back out and not be back in church any other time during the week. Give God a tip instead of a tithe. Sing songs to a God that you won't pray to. With your lips say that you love a God that you will not let him speak to you through his word. We're living in a day in the American church today, Pastor, where you can watch anything that you want to on the internet or on television or at the movie house. Anything that you want to with the hells and dams in the name of God when they're not talking about God and still be considered a good Christian. You know why that is? Because the truth is today, we've got a lot of spineless jellyfish preachers in the pulpit that are foolish men that will not preach the uncompromised word of the Lord because they're afraid that if they do, that people will leave their church and not come back. That's truth. But the day came when the wise man finished his house. He's worn out. He's tired. He's exhausted. He hung his last roof shingle. Hung his last window, hung his last door. He's worn out, but he knows this. When the storm comes, not if, but when the storm comes, his house is going to stand. He finished his house, then God said, let the storm come. You know why God didn't let the storm come earlier? It wasn't because God changed his mind about the sin. It wasn't because God looked down and said, well, you know, uh, A liar used to be a liar, but now a liar is an extrovert with a big imagination. No. It's not because God looked down and said, you know, uh, 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 a thief used to be a thief, but now there's somebody with a creative financial ability. It's not because God looked down and said, well, you know, homosexuality used to be a sin, but now uh, it's just somebody with an acceptable alternative lifestyle. I've changed my mind about that. Oh, no, God didn't change his mind. It's not because God looked down and said, you know, abortion used to be murder, but now it's just the sloughing off of a lifeless mass of tissue, and it's a woman's choice. Oh, no, hear me today. Listen to me. Sin is not what I say it is, and sin is not what you think it is. Sin is what God's Word says it is, and that's what makes the Bible the most hated book in all the world. But the day came when the wise man finished his house. Then God said, let the storm come. You know why God held back the storm? Listen, not because he changed his mind about sin. God held back the storm. Listen, watch this. Because if he would have let the storm come any earlier, not only would the foolish man, not only would the wise man, the foolish man have been destroyed, but the wise man would have been destroyed too. So God said, I'm going to hold back the storm, not because I love sin, 
But because I love the righteous man and I will not let him perish. Listen to me. The storm is going to come and when it does, let the foolish man fend for himself. But God says, I'm going to hold back the storm to give the wise man time to finish building their house on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah 5.24 says, put it on the screen, The Lord appoints the wakes of harvest. The time of harvest has already been appointed by God. And the Bible says in our text that harvest and judgment are going to come at the same time. You remember in Noah's day, God was so sick of all of the sin that he had to repent for making man. That's a, you, you know what? When you've, when you've totally exhausted the mercy of God, you've gone a long, long way. God said, I, I, I'm sorry that I ever made man in the first place. God said, I'm going to destroy everything on the entire face of the earth. But then God looked down and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And, and, and so God said, okay, I will hold back the flood for 120 years. I'm going to hold back the flood. Why? To give Noah time to finish building his the, the ark. And so God said, I will hold back the storm to give Noah the flood, to give Noah time to finish building his ark. But he gave Noah specific directions and instructions, told him exactly how to build the ark, what to do, how to do it. But then the entire time that Noah worked on the ark, God did not say anything to Noah. It's as though Noah, God was saying, Noah, I told you what to do and how to do it. Now do what I told you to do and then we'll talk again. You know, we're living in a day today where people today, they, 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 everybody wants to hear a word from the Lord and I want to hear a word from God, but everybody wants the preacher to prophesy over them. And I'm all for the real thing. But what you need to do is you need to do what God's word says. If you'll do what God's word says, that'll take care of a lot of the questions that you've got in your mind about the future that God has for you. But, but you see, Noah went out there working every day on that ark. And people would walk by and they'd laugh and scoff and mock and make fun of him. Then they'd go their own way and they'd live their own life. And don't you know that there had to be days that Noah would think to himself, is what I'm doing really important here? I mean, here I am out here working on... you got to understand, Noah is in the middle of a desert building an ark. He looked like an idiot. (laughs) But the people, he just he did what God told him to do. And the day came when Noah finished the ark. When he finished the ark, God, at that time, it, it was it was a it, it was the appointed time of judgment. Now listen to me. I mean, it looked as though what Noah was doing was not important to be out there working on that ark. I mean, Y two K had come and gone, and nothing happened. And, and the economy had had uh, 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 gone down, but it had come back up. Noah's just a crazy old man, and he really doesn't know what he's talking about. But God had already set the appointed time of judgment. I believe the next revival that you see take place in America, and it's already started, it's going to be a revival where God comes into every one of our church bodies and removes the terrors. You know who the terrors are, don't you? They're not the sinners, and they're not the saints. They're the lukewarm churchgoers. They're the hypocrites. They're the people that take up space, sucking up uh, air conditioning and, and, and taking up space on the pew. They're, they're, they, they don't do anything to uh, contribute to, to building the kingdom of God. God's going to remove the tares because it's going to be the righteous that bring in the last day harvest, not the tares. 
And, and there's people in the church today that say, oh, uh, uh, I just believe the worst days are in front of us for, for America. Listen to me. I believe the hard times are in front of us for America, but I believe it's going to be the greatest day for the church. Not the worst day, but the greatest day for the church. You see, the worst day for this wise man was when the foolish man, when the worst day for this wise man was whenever he was working on that, that, uh, 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 building that house and, and the foolish man was walking by making fun of him. I mean, can you imagine, here's this wise man working there on his house and, and on his foundation, and here comes this foolish man. He's like, why are you working so hard on that foundation? It's not important for you to come to church like that and read the Bible and pray and pay your tithe and give your offerings to the Lord's work. Uh, listen, I'm not paying my tithe and God's blessing me. Why are you working so hard on that foundation? Why are you doing that? Listen to me. What you're doing is foolish. The foolish man was calling the wise man foolish, no doubt. But the day came when the wise man finished his house. Then God said, when he finished his house, then God said, let the storm come. The Bible says when the storm came, the first thing that the storm hit was the foolish man's house and great was the fall thereof. Here's this wise man, no doubt, looking out his picture window. Here comes a wall of water. Full speed ahead. It slams against the side of this wise man's house. He's not scared. He's not fearful. He's not afraid because he knows, Pastor, he has built that house on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Young person, that's what you've got to do. You've got to build your spiritual house on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And what was a damnation for the foolish man was a vindication for the wise man because it let the whole world know that what he was doing by working so hard on that foundation was important. It was necessary. And for those of you... You men that get up early in the morning and pray before you go to work, I want you to hear me. You're putting hunk of rebarb in your foundation. And when the storms come to your life, your house is going to stand. Young person, when you stand up and live right, when all the other young people are having sex outside of marriage and going to the drug deals and, and the keg beer parties, but you live a holy and an upright and a righteous life before God, you're putting rock in your foundation, and when the storms come, your house is going to stand. Whenever you stand up and live for God, when other people are not standing up and living for God, you're putting rock in your foundation, and when the storms come, your house, your spiritual house, is going to stand. Stand. When Noah finished the ark, the water began to rise up. I guarantee you, Noah was not on that boat, chewing his fingernails, scared to death, saying, oh, oh I just don't know what I'm going to do. He knew he built that ark the way God told him to. I believe that Noah was on that ark. When that water began to rise up under that boat with his hands lifted toward heaven, saying, oh, God, I'm so glad I didn't listen to the tares and to the lukewarm churchgoers and the hypocrites. I'm so glad that I prayed and read my Bible and paid my tithe and gave my offerings. I'm so glad that I stayed committed and intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ and stayed close to Christ. I'm glad I didn't do what everybody else was doing, but I did what I was supposed to be doing and I served God intimately. And when that, and you know when God told Noah to build the ark? 
He said, when you finish building the ark, he said, I want you to, to gather the, the animals, the clean uh, 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 seven by seven and the unclean two by two. And I want you from every different denomination, not just Assembly of God, not just the Baptists or the Presbyterian or the, or the uh, uh, Lutherans or the Episcopalians. I want you to gather all of them from all of the denominations. Amen. I mean, all of them, the Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Christian Church. I want you to gather them on the boat. And once you get them on the boat, he said, I want you to get them from all. Can you imagine Noah's got to be thinking, I've got to gather all of these animals up. And, I mean, he's, he's an old man by now. He's thinking, I, I, I built this ark and now I've got to go out and gather all these animals up. But God had a surprise for Noah. No doubt. Noah's in the bottom of the boat making last minute inspections. Here comes one of his sons. He says, Dad, something really crazy is going on outside. You need to come out here and look at this. Noah gets to the opening of the boat and he sees every species of animal in a single file headed for the ark. The clean seven by seven and the unclean two by two. Nobody's lassoed them. Nobody's tricked them. Nobody's uh, uh, done anything to, 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 uh, nobody has, has uh, put uh, food in front of them to, to gather them in. God changed the beast nature of these animals and they're headed for the ark of God. No doubt Noah has got his hands lifted toward heaven with tears streaming down his cheeks. And he says, oh God, you knew that I was too tired to gather all these animals up in Gina. You knew I was too tired to gather all of these animals up and get them on the boat. You bless me today. God says, Noah, you did what I told you to do. You built the ark. Now I'm going to fill it up. Now listen carefully. Listen carefully. The Lord is not nearly as concerned about how many people are in this house as he is concerned about what kind of a house you're building. It's all about you building your spiritual house on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. If you'll do that, as a result of you being where you need to be with Jesus Christ, you will automatically bring in a harvest of souls and tell people about Jesus Christ. It's all about building your spiritual house on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. The word house in the original translation uh, means the same thing as habitation or temple. You know what the house is that you're building right now? Everybody in here is building a house. The house that you're building is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And some of you right now, your spiritual house is not where it needs to be in your prayer life. It needs to be stronger. God wants to build you up spiritually so that you can be the man of God, the woman of God that God has called you to be. Some of you, you're not where you need to be in, in, in your finances or in your giving or or, or, or or in some other area of your life. It's all about building your spiritual house on the rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And is your house in any area have a faulty foundation that needs work? God wants to work on it tonight. He's not here tonight beating you over the head with condemnation. He's here tonight to help you get your foundation rock solid. So when all hell breaks loose and the devil is attacking like never before, you're going to be in a position spiritually to help bring in a massive harvest of souls when the last day harvest begins to take place. God is preparing this church body, Pastor. For a mighty move of the Holy Ghost like you've never seen in the past. There's not going to be room enough to hold everybody in this sanctuary because of the harvest that's going to come in. 
So what you've got to do is strengthen your net. Allow God to strengthen your net. Strengthen your foundation. So that when God begins to bring the harvest in, you're going to be where you need to be spiritually to handle the harvest that's coming in. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Open your hearts all over the building. Holy Spirit of the living God, do your work. Anointing that destroys the yoke. Be poured in fresh. I believe the power of the Holy Ghost is going to flow mightily in this altar service. God has called every one of you in this building into the ministry in some fashion, form, or manner. God has specific things that He desires to do in your life. He wants to accomplish in you things that are going to bring you to a higher level of intimacy with Him than you've ever been before for your foundation to be rock solid. Rock solid. And I know that down deep inside your heart, that's what you desire. But there are some of you that your foundation spiritually is not where it needs to be. And the Lord is dealing you with, the, with you right now about it. Because hear me, more important than you bringing people to Jesus Christ is for you to personally have an intimate marriage relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's more important than you bringing in souls. Because if your relationship with Jesus is where it needs to be, if the level of intimacy is where it needs to be, then out of that relationship with Jesus Christ, you will automatically begin to bring people in to get them right with the Lord, to introduce them to Jesus Christ. So if you're here tonight... You'd say, Brother Todd, I'm in this building and I realize that my heart is not right with the Lord. If you're in this building tonight, you'd say, I'm in this building and I know that the Lord is dealing with me because I realize that I'm not intimate with the Lord. I, I don't have a relationship with Him where it needs to be because I realize that my heart is not really right with the Lord. If that's you tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed and every heart wide open, if you'd say, Brother Todd, the Lord is dealing with...